Oh, Yubi's, Yubi's here. Oh. I could lean waiting on you now. Okay. So we can talk here for like our temporary Discord. Oh, hi guys. Hi. Okay, so hey, testing one, two, three. So she just said, just say out your name. So hi, I'm Sunny. Hi, I'm Yuvraj. Hi, I'm Gurleen. And, and talk about if we start the book. So I didn't start so, the book yet. I have not picked started the book either. But what interests me in taking this book is I feel like this book uh, connects with a lot of racial and political issues that are seen as Zentorno land lives is, is under a dictatorship, if I was not mistaken. And how they've kidnapped, like her sister's all hostage and he's like, his parents were killed for their political views as well. And so I want to see what the main character or protagonist does to like conquer his fears and the prejudices that he faces along the way. So for me, I picked this book because it's like a thriller, meaning that it's very suspenseful. So I'm just, and I enjoy those types of books as like, it just keeps you reading. You always want to know like what's happening after. Yeah, so that's the main reason I picked this book out of all books. Uh, for me, I haven't started reading the book yet, but why I picked it is because, um, uh, at least in my opinion, from what I've read uh, about the book so far, um, the main character, it's not his fault that, that he's being targeted, but either way, the government is still targeting him for his, for his father's actions. So I'd like to see how it turns out and whether um, whether the kid will be punished for what his father does when he didn't inherently do anything wrong. So I guess this is it. You don't have to do anything yeah, else. Just testing, like right? Practice. That's it fine. Okay, I'm gonna finish recording now. Right. Hello, everyone. I'm Sunny Bath, and welcome to a Bookworms podcast, a podcast where we'll be talking about different books. So for today's episode, we'll be talking about the Illegal by Lawrence Hill, and for our guest today, we have Yuraj Baines and. Monday. So guys, what are your thoughts on the book so far? First off, I would like to say thank you for having me, Sunny. And second of all, I would like to say that I think the book has took a good turn in the right direction because it makes us like the readers will feel more interested about what has just happened. The first thing the book like implements is they show a lot of new characters and from the perspective of them. So for instance, we get to see Viola and John Falconer. And I like how the book is shaping out because a lot of interesting things happen, which we will be talking about later, I'm assuming. And I genuinely like the turn that the book took. It took thrilling and more exciting to know what's going to happen. What I think about the book is it's, it's really interesting, like how, how the story is developing, especially like we started when Kita was only a kid and now the story centered more around uh, an older Kita. And, but uh, even though we've seen Kida throughout like um, a large, large age in his life, large age gap, uh, this one quote kind of kind of summarizes and applies to a large portion of his life. At all times, he had to be prepared to to run. I feel like even when he was a kid, this did apply to him. Like for example, when when the church was burned down, he had to run to keep himself fa- safe because Zantoro land was not safe. And now that he's older. And in freedom state, he still has to continue running. Uh, and at all times, he does have to be prepared to run uh, in case uh, the freedom state officials try to deport uh, deport him because that would only lead to his execution. So I think I think so far this book's really interesting, especially because of 
uh, its development and and how Keat is developing and how um, even some of the themes that were presented earlier in the story are still prevalent now. So personally, I liked how this book tackles real life problems. For example, we see in the book that how black people get discriminated against in Freedom State. And like this is also a problem in real life, as we've seen last year, because of like all this racism, it caused the BLM movement. So, And we also see in the book that white people, they're like deemed as superior. This is also like something that happened in the past, like especially in America, like all the racism in the 60s and 70s. So I like how it tackles those real life problems. So for this episode, we'll only be talking about what happens in chapters 7 to 11. And in these chapters, we're just introduced to like new characters. So first, let's start by talking about John Falconer, who's a 15-year-old boy that attends the Clarkson Academy of the Gifted. So after learning about his life, what do you guys think of him? And how do you feel about him working every day just to attend school? I think John Faulkner is quite a brilliant like young child, but I often think his brilliance kind of overshadows how hardworking he is and how determined he is. So as you can see, he works at the brothel, and for a 15-year-old at his age, you wouldn't really expect somebody his at that age to like work at this kind of field, like a brothel. So I genuinely think he works really hard because he has to clean the floors, and he has to walk a long distance to go to the school. And... He also does a lot of risky maneuvers. So, for instance, he was recording his documentation and he was kind of like recording the prime minister and Yvette when they were alone together. And he took like, it takes a lot of courage to do what he was doing. And he was just recording them as they would continue doing what they were doing. And yeah, I think it's really like he's really hardworking and he's smart. As as we could see, he won the uh, award for the best essay which got him the equipment to record his document so you can see his brilliance and you can see how hardworking he truly is and i think him working every day to attend school is really a good thing because lula gives him the opportunity to earn the money to go to school i feel like him working at this young age kind of builds like his character and like prepares him for the future where people like have to work a lot so, like in real life present day people work like a lot to pay off their student loans and student debts that they have to pay and so john at a young age is already developing those skills as he's working really hard to pay to go to his school as he doesn't really have a father in his life as he left him at a young age and his mother is currently sick so he's kind of like being the man now you could say uh i also think um uh uh, John Falconer is a really hard worker and, and he's really smart. Like he's even, uh, he's dirt poor. He can barely afford to buy breakfast in Africatown where he lives. But by performing well in school, like as you've already said, he won first place in that essay contest. Um, uh, he can earn scholarships and those scholarships uh, along with working for Lala help help him afford uh, whatever commodities he needs uh, in terms of school and, and to make his uh, documentary. And uh, uh, that brings me to my next point, which is uh, John Falconer not only works uh, for Lala every day in the brothel uh, and goes to school, but he also um, is developing uh, a broadcaster, a documentary uh, on Africtown and Santorland and the poor living conditions there. So I really like John Falconer. Uh, he's very hardworking. He al- he's always uh, doing something and, and he's, he's smart and intelligent as well. Uh, so yeah, I completely agree with you guys. So I also think John, like he seems like a very hardworking boy as he's doing everything he can just to attend school. And as Yubi said, like, for example, he 
when he first gets into the Clarkson Academy, uh, he tells Lola that he's ready to walk five kilometers every day just to attend school. And if this doesn't tell you how much committed he is to going to school, I don't know what does. And also about him working every day at Lola's brothel. I feel like it's fair since Lola's paying for all his school supplies and like she's providing him with the place to stay. And like this is the most he can do to like pay pay off everything she's doing. However, I feel like it's unfair for Lola to say that she owns John for life as it's not like John's choice that he's like living in this poor, in, in these poor conditions and that his mother's not there to like take care of him. And also, I don't like how uh, she may like when he doesn't clean the brothel properly, she makes him miss school and clean it again. So now let's. Oh, sorry. Can I just go back to what you're saying earlier? I 100% agree with you when you said it's unfair that Lula says that she owns John. And I think what the author was trying to do here was trying to show us that life is kind of unfair and not everybody gets the same privileges that other people have in this world. And it kind of shows the hardships that some people have to face and to deal with. So I think the author did a good job. Oh, sorry. One thing I'd like to add to what Yuvraj said um, about about fairness and choices everybody has. There's a quote in the story that says, uh, "Some people have keys to this world, but Kita was not one of them." So I think I think what Yuvraj said really applies to that, not only to Kita but also to John, because in this world, not everyone's born born equally. Yeah, I agree with you guys. So now let's talk about Yvette and the Prime Minister at the brothel. What do you guys think about their interaction and what do you think this tells us about the country of freedom state as a whole? So I think this interaction is quite interesting and disgusting at the same time because Yvette is a minor. She's like 17 years old and she's with the prime minister of an entire country, right? And Yvette is also like, she's only two years older than John. So they're kind of like, they resemble an age. years older than me she could still be in like she could still be in high school completing her high school education but she's out here doing working in a brothel instead and this is because she wants to support herself and to get her identity card which she didn't have at birth despite being born in freedom state so she kind of works at the brothel and she you could also i guess in a way call her hardworking as well because she wants to work hard to make money in order to uh, be able to afford her identity card and it's really important to have an identity card especially with the amount of illegals running around in freedom state at the moment and i also wanted to say that i think their interaction was quite interesting because well when the prime minister brought in the briefcase he kind of just left it unattended and just went inside and and um yvette had like this hidden was trying to sneak through his briefcase and she got caught eventually and so she was then being like her arm got grabbed from the prime minister and he started twisting it and hurting her and then lula eventually came in and ended the ruckus but she asked but the prime minister asked yvette for her last name specifically so she could find her and he can deport her and eventually when she got deported she would this would end up being her demise as she was killed in prison in zentoraland so I also think that 
Lula's to blame because Lula's kind of the one that's pulling the string strings. She's the one manipulating Yvette to do her dirty work for her. So she can see what's in the prime minister's briefcase. And instead of Lula taking action, doing it herself, she just forces this all on Yvette. But tying into the corruption, I guess this tells us how corrupt Freedom State is for like a very well-developed country. And it kind of like ties into the real world. Like we may not know what's going on in the background, but there could always be like be things that lead to corruption. I, I agree with what you've said about, about corruption with Freedom State's government. Like, from their interaction, we can see uh, the president had, like, uh, some sort of confidentiality breach. Like, like his information was leaked, uh, or, or private, sensitive information was leaked to Yvette, and uh, not, not knowing to him, uh, also to John. But uh, Yvette, uh, once, once the president found out about Yvette doing this, right, he threatened her. And and he ended up actually deporting her, knowing that she would be executed. So so I think the government of Freedom State is really corrupt and actually really controlling. So when when someone does something uh, that they don't that they don't want, uh, something against the government, uh, they're punished and and swiftly removed. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So uh, let's. Uh, so you guys said how the government is very corrupt. So and, and as we've seen. Yvette, she tries to like go into the prime minister's briefcase, and when she gets caught, prime minister the prime minister gets mad and he threatens her, and then he writes down her name, and then in the next few chapters we find out that she got like deported into Zentorola and she got killed. So I feel like this shows like how how corrupt the government is, how much like, power the government has, how they can easily just get rid of someone like that. And Yvette, she was innocent; she didn't even like. Uh, like, she didn't even mean to, like, do this. Just Lula, t- she told her to, like, go go check the briefcase. And and Yvette wasn't even, like, uh, what do you call it? Citizen of Santorland. She was born in Freedom State. And she just, like, didn't have an ID card. So I feel like it's unfair for her to just get deported and just get killed. Also, like, about the, their interaction, I feel like it was disgusting how the prime minister won Yvette for sexual pleasure. And, like, this is because, like, the prime minister is probably, like, 30 plus in age, and Yvette is just a 17-year-old. And as Yubi said, she should be, like, uh, finishing her high school education, and she's only, like, two years older than John. So I feel like this was, like, very disgusting. So now let's um, uh, talk about the marathon. What did you guys think about the runner in the second place ca- calling Kida r- racial slurs, and what are your thoughts on how Kida handles this situation? Well, I, I, what I think is that the runner in second place was quite frustrated to the fact that he was losing. And he was even more frustrated because he's like a racist white male who sees a white, like a black man in front of him. And he, and like, because he's like racist, because he ends up saying racial slurs, he's like, I can't have a black person beating me. I have to be superior and I cannot handle this. So he ends up starting to say these racial slurs towards Kato. But I think Kato handles it like a champ. Because he doesn't really let what the other runner get, gets to his head. Like, the other runner wants to be in his head and to live rent-free in there. And he wants so he can maybe catch up and Keito would, like, turn around and maybe confront the runner. But instead, Keito just keeps running and running. And then he starts singing his own song. And I think that's a brilliant way to kind of, like, make the other runner even more mad and more frustrated as he's trying to, like insult him and hurt him emotionally but his mentality is just so strong that he just doesn't take notice and he just continues working on himself uh, working on the 
his race because he knows how important and valuable it is for him to win as he needs the money to treat his hernia. And I think that it's a really mature thing of him to do is he just keeps minding his own business and he keeps trying to win the race. And this really, like, must enrage the other runner as he cannot, like, just stand the fact that he is being insult- like insult- being insulted and doesn't take any notice. Like, he doesn't care that he's there. It's almost as if he, like, doesn't even notice he's there as maybe the first and second place gap was kind of big. So, he's like, he the Kato pretends like he doesn't even exist there and he's just all the way in- ahead in the race. I also want to talk about how Kato, while he's running, he was just really concentrated and focused on on winning the race. At, uh, as previously mentioned, to treat his hernia. That's, that's all I have to say. I feel like uh, the runner who was calling Kita racial slurs was not only trying to insult uh, Kita, but also he was trying to insult uh, the fact that um, Kita is an immigrant and possibly he, he was possibly an illegal in Freedom State as well, as a lot of of the black people in in uh, Freedom State were illegals, which it, uh, but I feel like he handled the situation very appro- inappropriately. And I'm talking about uh, the other runner here, and that's because he he called Kita racial slurs, and uh, of course it was his method of rebelling against these uh, these people coming into his country and and kind of like leeching in on on their economy. But at the same time, it wasn't really fair to Kita. Uh, he doesn't know what Kita's been through and why Kita actually had to uh, go to Freedom State. And and on how Kita handled the situation, I thought it was quite funny how um, Kita started singing singing while outpacing, or when he started to outpace the other runner, he started singing uh, as a method to torment him. And uh, not only could he ignore the other runner, but he could also uh, torment him and make him uh, angry uh, because he couldn't actually keep up with Kita while Kita was singing and having fun running. So what I thought of it is the runner, he he called Kita a racial source, as Gurleen said, that he thought Kita was an illegal, which he was, but... That still doesn't give him a reason to call Kita racial slurs, but I feel like he did because in the whole country of freedom state, racism like just all over the place. So I don't think like even if he says racial slurs, there's any like repercussion. So that's why. So he had no problem saying those words. And how Kita handled the situation, he was just like minding his own business, listening to his own music. He was in his own zone. But I feel like even if Kita like was directly paying attention to the guy, he wouldn't have like care too much since Kita he's already been through a lot he's already like seen like people get murdered such as like like his mother and father so he wouldn't he wouldn't have just gotten hurt by like a few words so but this like doesn't mean that he should have just ignored the situation uh, because others might actually get hurt by those words and if Kita takes action maybe in the future that runner like wouldn't say like any racial slurs to anyone in the future so as how when Kito is being called these racial slurs and there's no repercussion to the other runner, I just want to take note how there was also like a police runner as well, a black female police officer who was running, and another runner also called her these racial slurs, and yet she didn't do anything about like she couldn't arrest them or like pull them over and stuff because like it kind of shows you shows you the country that freedom state is how racism isn't a crime and they don't take it as seriously as they should have, and I also wanted to mention how you're saying that the other runner was calling her slurs. And I hope I wasn't misunderstood, but I definitely agree with you that 
just because somebody's beating us something do you there should no be like there should be no racism at all and like competitions and sports you should be have like sportsmanship and be respectful to others and it's not like it's just a wrong thing to do but tying into the racial problems that we see in freedom state he also calls him homophobic slurs as well and it kind of shows you that freedom state is not really it doesn't have an inclusive community as well so i also want to add on this like as you said before freedom state as a country it like makes me feel shocked as freedom state is described to be like one of the most richest and advanced nations and yet still there's a ton of racism in the country kind of reminds me of america in the 50s and 60s as america was also like one of the most richest and advanced nations but still like struggles with racism and other countries in the world didn't struggle with this too much so now let's uh, wrap up this episode so one final question that i have for you guys is what do you guys think is going to happen next in the story any predictions i think uh key uh john falconer uh he's developing his his broadcast documentary and uh as we saw saw with the prime minister uh when yvette went through his things uh he he got rid of yvette he deported her and and she was executed uh and um if we think or killed uh somehow but presumably executed and if we look at john falconer he's trying to expose uh what's happening in africatown what's happening in santorland through his documentary and through his interviews and uh i feel like if the president starts to take note of john and starts to notice notice uh him then uh he might actually decide to get rid of john in the same way he got rid of yvette so my prediction for the future is that uh john will start having problems or or some obstacles uh with with his recording because of the president <clears throat> so my prediction is that i think Kito's going to continue running as we know that it's his passion but it's also kind of his primary source of income and he needs to make money in order to survive in the world so he's going to have to keep running it's like he has to keep partaking in these competitions to keep making money but the thing that's going to be slowing him down the most will be his hernia that he's dealing with so hopefully he'll have the money to be able to afford it and I also want to tie into what Galen said as I agree that John Falconer is going to continue to make this documentary to kind of expose freedom state but it's also very dangerous thing to do so if john falconer like makes one wrong step like takes one wrong step and he has a fault in his plans then everything can come crashing down on him because when you're going up against a prime minister of like a very well developed and rich country it's going to be really difficult especially with the amount of power and corruption that is already occurring there yeah so i completely agree with you guys i also thought the same so i also thought like how kida he's going to continue to run and now especially with the check that he got for winning the marathon he's going to try to deposit it and maybe they try to like treat his hernia as like it's all it's giving him like a lot of discomfort and he's getting dizzy he can he's getting like tired too easily so and also charity charity is still missing so kida is going to try his best to find charity as she's the only like family he has left now and about john i uh, uh, i agree with gurleen as like how he said john is going to maybe get in trouble with the government like the stuff he's doing but as like in the uh, novel we see lula she uh, she tells john that he's going to now start recording everything like for her like after she finds him recording the prime minister and yvette's conversation so i feel like uh, lula's going to make make him record more like conversations of like with the government so and that might like 
or get in tr- uh, trouble with the government. So thank you guys for coming here today. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, so guys, that is it for today's episode. Be sure to comment about what book you want us to talk about next. See you all in the next episode. Bye.